Welcome to Season 5 of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life back into your military or first responder marriage. Too often, I hear that service families have taken the vulnerable step to give counseling a try only to feel like the clinician did not understand the service lifestyle. After going through the same frustration, I created the Life Giver Clinician Directory, a fully searchable map and directory of clinicians that are military spouses, veterans, first responder spouses, or civilians that have experience working with families just like yours. The directory even has a place where you can recommend clinicians you've loved and would recommend to others. If you are looking for help, simply head over to search the Life Giver Clinician Directory at www.life-giver.org. Welcome to season five of the Life Giver podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I am so excited to begin a new season talking all about marriage, talking about ways that you can breathe life into your family and in your home. And today I have a really interesting discussion with my good friend, Dr. Kendra Lowe. She is an Air Force spouse, but also a veteran herself. And she has a doctorate in educational leadership with a focus on psychological studies. And she has come out with a new book that we're going to be talking all about because she's been catching on to some things that I've been noticing too. And we found each other and we've been completely nerding out on all things of spouse wellness and military family wellness. And she's going to unpack a little bit of her findings today, but she wrote, she wrote, wake up, kick ass and repeat a guide to self perseverance within the military spouse life cycle. So Kendra, I am so excited to have you here. I have read some of your books. It's coming out. The full book is coming out soon. Um, and I'm just so excited about what you're, what you have found in your research and the message that you're spreading and more than anything that you have created a way for us to really start tackling what it means to address spouse wellness, military spouse wellness. So I'm so excited, but I think a place for us to start is for you to share a little bit more about your journey. And so I know that you are a veteran yourself. So would you mind just starting with um, your experience as a veteran and what it was like for you to transition from being a service member to a military spouse? Because from what I've seen and heard, that was a little bit of a transition for you as well. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Oh, and I, I want to start out with certainly thank you so much for um, having me today. Um, I've followed you as well, and I'm just so excited to be a part of this. And I really appreciate um, you giving me a chance to talk with you today and um, share what I've been working on uh, really for the past 10 years. Um, and as you said, being a veteran, there are um, definitely um, stressors that are um, there when you're active duty. And my husband and I were um, dual, he was active as well as um, myself. And um, so it was, there was hard um, stressors associated with that and juggling it. Um, but what I became really surprised with is when I transitioned out, how much almost more stress I experienced as a military spouse and um, was surprised by it. And I really wanted to understand it better as I uh, got to know other military spouses and get um, closer um, connections and as being a military spouse, um, saw just the significance of it. So I had a chance um, when I had uh, uh, my master's degree and I started researching it at a lower level with 50 spouses and saw some concerning trends that uh, popped up kind of telling me, yes, this stress is real and it's significant. 
Um, but again, with any type of research, it could be just um, preliminary findings. So I had a chance um, with my doctorate to expand it. And I interviewed 210 spouses um, that took a stress inventory as well as um, worked with me. And I did um, follow up questions on demographics and um, found that the trends were continued. And so um, what those are in, in the book that um, I, I'm trying to get that message out is that um, one in uh, four of our spouses are at uh, clinically elevated levels of stress and one in five are those that would warrant um, professional follow-up um, and intervention. And so when you comparatively look at that, it's double that of the civilian population. And again, that's according to my research, but um, I, I was so shocked that the trends continued and that our spouses are just functioning under such a layer of stress. And so part of it is me wanting to talk about and validate it, um, right? So I had a chance to kind of brief on it and talk about it. And I had so many spouses come up and tell their stories afterwards and say, um, I'm so excited that you're talking about it and sharing about it because not only do I know that I'm not alone, um, but I had spouses say that, uh, you know, I the more we talk about it, the more we share, um, the more spouses are even coming up to them and, and sharing their stories. And it is significant. And and um, I had the chance again to go forward and um, speak at a couple other squadrons and the spouses, uh, the, the response was amazing, but I got that follow up of, okay, so you're giving us this problem, you know, and we're stressed and it's significant and it's the now what. And um, so I wanted to build a now what, and um, the book really is an eight week uh a guide uh, to work through individually or with a group of peers. And it's the now what? It's eight weeks of um, reflection questions and actual psychometric tools to help you re rethink um, the way that we deal with stress. And um, I kept, I, I, when I developed it, I kept thinking about that spouse that I've worked with. And I've worked with a lot of spouses that struggled to get out of bed. Um, and I wanted to find a way to reach that spouse. And I think the Air Force and the military in general does an amazing job with resources and um, <clears throat> resiliency training and workshops. And they do a fantastic job with it. Um, but what I kept seeing is that the spouses that I was most concerned about, um, those are the ones that weren't attending. Um, those are the ones that were isolating. Those were the ones that were staying in their home. And so I wanted to find a way um, I can't multiply myself and go into everybody's home, which I would love to, but I tried to find a way to meet them where they're at. And the ones that, you know, we're concerned about are the ones that are in their home. And so this resource really was a way and a mechanism to reach them where they're at and they can start helping themselves. So that's kind of how it all kind of came to fruition. <laughs> So I am so, so thrilled about what you're doing. Um, it's something that I've been seeing for the past 10 years myself. Um, and so I really relate to you and the frustration of seeing people in pain and seeing people struggle. Um, and, and there, and even just saying that there's some things that come up in me that I know we're, we're going to have to talk about, which is, um, how to talk about the stress and the level of, 
I mean, accurately researched that this is a real thing. And yet there's this immediate feeling of like shaming that we, you know, we should be doing better or we shouldn't talk about it or thinking about all the positive things or thinking about all the benefits we have. And we just kind of talk ourselves out of what's what's really there. And I think that's why a lot of um, spouses are afraid to talk about it um, and be real with it. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But there was another um, key finding that you found that I thought was really interesting that I think that we should also share at the beginning of this, which was that you found that this level of stress um, is consistent throughout every season of the military spouse journey, meaning, um, and I'm going to have you state actually what you found in the research, but from what you had said to me earlier, um, was that even our senior spouses, you know, those of us that maybe have just started this lifestyle or maybe in the middle of it, we, we tend to think, surely it's going to get easier. Surely it's going to get better. Surely once we develop the right skills or go through these workshops or, or do these things that, um, I'm going to find myself less stressed later because some of those senior spouses sure do look less stressed, right? Or maybe they have some benefits we don't have. Mm -hmm. And what you found is actually the opposite that regardless of season of life, the levels of stress were consistent. Is that correct? Absolutely. And so again, looking at all those different, um, demographics, I want I had in my, I had my biases. So I thought going forward that I was going to find that that seasoned spouse um, didn't have as significant stress levels. And I also looked at deployment time. So I looked at in the course of two years, um, how, how long had the active duty member been out of the house, not just for deployment time, but training and exercises. And so I certainly thought those active duty members that were out of the home um, longest. So I had some that responded 24 months that they were gone the entire time. I thought their stress levels were higher. Um, and again, that wasn't the case. So what I found was that um, the spouse that had just entered the military and been in for a year, their stress levels, there was no significant difference between their levels being clinically significant and those that the longest was 26 years of a respondent. And um, and the same with deployment time or time away from the home, those that had a spouse active duty member home for 24 months, there was no significant difference between their stress and one that had been gone 24 months. And at first I was, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't find anything. You know, there's, you know, I, I was looking for this, but when I took a step back, I realized this is significant. What it's telling us, what it's telling us is stress doesn't discriminate, um, in, in the military spouse, um, world in our culture that, it, regardless of if the active duty member's home or away, regardless of if you've been walking this walk for 26 years, that that stress is constant. And it's, and it's a constant part of our lives that we have to address and deal with because it is every time we turn around a corner, it's going to be there again in, in a different way, a different um, fashion. It might present itself as a different stressor, but it's something that we have to endure. And so I, um, I think it's also validation for a lot of those senior spouses or seasoned spouses to say, um, I'm not okay. And giving them a space that it's all right that you've been doing it 26 years. You still don't have all the answers, nor should you, or it could be your 17th PCS. And for some reason that PCS was extremely stressful because your child was a senior in high school. And that's okay to say all the rest of them, I had it together, but this one, I didn't. And, it, and it's giving them that space and that voice to say, yes, I'm a senior spouse. I've been doing it 26 years. And guess what? This PCS broke me. This one broke our family. And there's no shame in that, um, that this time and this point, um, it was stressful for me. 
It makes me so glad to hear you say all of that, because I think that's something that we do have to do a better job at is being able to say those tough things. Um, last season, I was very open with um, the recent PCS being really, really challenging for me because my kids are getting older. And this next one is proving to be even more challenging. And so I can definitely say that um, there has been some that are harder than others, but that um, stress continues and it evolves, but it doesn't mean that there's less stress involved. And so you're also here to give us some practical tips on the, what do we do next? Right. And we are definitely going to dive into that. Um, and hopefully for the majority of our conversation, but I think it's really important for us to unpack what actually are the stressors, because I think there's people out there that might feel a little crazy or might feel like they shouldn't be stressed out about something when really part of your work is to validate their experience. And so what were the, what are the stressors that military spouses are facing? Um, what are the things that, I mean, obviously we could say the big ones like PCSing and relocations and, and all of that, but what are you finding um, are the biggest stressors for spouses? You know, and it's, to me, those, there, there are those large stressors that we constantly talk about, but I, I think what we don't talk about as much is the ones that add up. And it's and it's um, it's almost like layers that are building, and so it doesn't have to be this monumental. Yes, when they get ready to deploy or they're coming back, obviously we know that that time is stressful. Um, but it's the little things, you know. It's it's um, my child um, not being not having the words or not being emotionally intelligent enough to um, to look at a, a friend that's PCSing and say, I, I want to see you again. I don't know where you're going. Um, I don't know how to deal with this. And to me, that's crushing as a parent when she's, you know, crying herself to sleep every night because she missed her best girlfriend, you know, that we left in Japan. And um, so I think it's those, it's those other things that we don't talk about as common that we're just supposed to deal with as military spouses. It's, um, it's the frustrations with um, finding a new job and um, not being not being able being underemployed or uh, unemployed, um, it's seeing the emotions um, through our through our children, experiencing the military life through our children. I think it's more of the the little ones um, that it, that we don't talk about as often that build um, because we're afraid to say that those are significant and and they are significant because they add up. Um, as time goes on. I completely agree. And this is something that's been on my mind for a very long time. Um, the words that I've been trying to put to it is, yes, there's, um, you know, Franklin Covey talks about how there's the big rocks and the little rocks, right? There's like, um, there's like the big rocks that you put in the jar that fill the jar that are things like the PCS and the employment issues and um, the big stuff that gets the most attention that everybody goes, well, sure, that's that's difficult, right? But there's also these little rocks. Um, and in my mind, it is the dynamics within the culture itself that I think has carries the most stressors that cause the most... Um, psychological discomfort for us as spouses. So I'd love to know what you think about this. And maybe this is some of what you're getting to, but it's things like um, having that weight of the emotional struggle of maybe that PCS being difficult or watching your child go through losing that friend. And to me, the bigger stressor is that spouse feeling powerless to do anything about it. 
It's a feeling of powerlessness of, you know, who do you talk to? How do you make it? How do you make a difference? How do you change something? There's this feeling of not being able to talk to anybody about it or have any control over the stress that you're going through. And then within the culture, this kind of just having to swallow it and just deal with it. And um, not to mention the dynamics within even the military family culture of whether or not you can even find that support and camaraderie with someone else and talk about that stress because I've heard spouses tell me, you know, if I go and tell somebody that this is really hard for me, are they going to validate it and go me too? Or are they going to say, well, you just got to get over it and pull, you up, pull up your big girl panties, right? This is what you, or, or I hear people say, I tell my family and they go, well, this is what you sign up for, right? Or civilians going, we'll just quit, right? Because in the civilian sector, you can leave a job that maybe you're unhappy with. Um, whereas there's the, also the dynamic of feeling like, well, we're aiming for that retirement, right? So there's nothing we can do. It's that feeling of powerlessness. So I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that. Um, perhaps maybe to validate my own feelings, but that's kind of what I'm seeing. And it's and it's such it's such a great point. And that's why I really this this resource was built with that understanding is that we, I, I think one of the biggest issues is loss of the control. And as military spouses and military families, we lack very little control over anything in our lives. Um, so what, what the theory behind the book and it's rational behavioral therapy, and that's who, um, my mentor is, um, trained me and it's, it's the realization and accepting the fact that we don't have control over the events in our lives. But there are things that we do and we can gain control over. And those are our thoughts and our behaviors. And so it's retraining ourselves um, to have more positive thoughts. And it's hard to do. Um, And it's hard to do because of what we hear from other spouses in our community, as you brought up such great points in general of instead of having positive thoughts about um, the military life, we kind of fall prey to and fall into that trap of negative talk a lot about it. Um, this is another PCS. This is what we do. This is, um, you know, it's never going to get better. Um, you know, he's going to go again. And this is just something I have to deal with. Um, instead of changing those thoughts associated with it. And, and again, as I kind of preface in the book, a lot of the tools within the book are, um, intuitive. You would think they're just intuitive, but the, you have to consciously make a choice to practice them. So, um, again, it's the ABCs of your emotions is what I call them. And, you know, that A, that event, um, it's very difficult to say, I don't have control, um, but we don't have control of over the, a lot of the events. It's waiting, you know, that anticipation in December where most of the time PCS orders drop or you find out where you're going. And it's this anxiousness of where are we going next? And that changes so many things in it. Um, and and that excitement, yet that fear, and, and it's the cyclical thing that we go through. Um, but that event itself, you don't have control over. And so you can sit back and reevaluate what are my automatic thoughts. And a lot of times as, um, as spouses, we don't even realize what tape is running in our head all the time with it because it's, we've been immersed in this culture and this community for so long that it's that tape or that constant self-talk that's playing. So how do I shift that? How do I really change my thoughts? Because again, research shows your thoughts it is actually your thoughts that dictate your behaviors, not that event. It's really how you feel about that event and what you're thinking about that event event that drives how you behave. So 
the, the, the book is trying to give you those tools to take a step back and say, and even more so in the military. And again, these, these tools are applicable to the world at large. And, and I encourage so many people that I've worked with outside of the military community as well. This is the foundation of um, what I believe is helps um, individuals deal with stress. But I think more so with the military community, it, it's, um, it's such a, a, a valuable tool because um, in our culture and our lifestyle, that event more than anything else, we lack control over. So it's then coming together and getting around what can I control? What can I make a distinct um, choice, conscious choice to change? And it's my thoughts. Um, it's really sitting with myself and writing down when I, when that event happened, what are your first three thoughts you had? Um, you might not even realize what those automatic thoughts are. And, and, and again, the book kind of describes when those thoughts happen automatically, it's our attitude. So it's a lot of things that are ingrained in us. And especially as military spouses, there are things that are just, um, ingrained in our conscious thought that we don't even know are there. So when you sit down and say, okay, I just got this news or I just got this information or my child's upset because of this. And you write down your three initial thoughts. Um, you'd be surprised sometimes what those are because we don't consciously do that and take time to reflect on it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And um, I remember back when I first started my mental health career, REBT was my favorite mm-hmm. too. Um, and it's still one of my favorites because it's so quick. Um, at least I found that it was really helpful to get really um, down to the root thought, the root, the root belief system that somebody's working out of. And if you can find that root belief or thought system, then you can really start to find some movement there. And, um, the way that I always saw it was that, you know, we can tend to feel like we have like 36 problems going on. Right. Um, but these, root beliefs, these root thoughts are, they spread like cancer. Fear even spreads like cancer if they're lies that we believe or fears that we believe. And they impact so many areas of our life to the point that we feel like we have 36 different problems going on, but we can really trace it down to some really core thoughts and beliefs about how we see the event in our life, how we view relationships in our life. Um, and what we believe about ourselves too. And so I'm so thrilled that you have applied this theory to our culture and to how we react to the culture. And I know that I personally am going to benefit from this resource as well, um, because I do definitely have these triggering thoughts or beliefs that make it even more difficult for me to adapt when I'm surprised by new information, new orders, um, or those things that I don't have control over. So, um, so I, I'm going to break this down just a little bit more and it, and it's going to sound, it's almost like I'm going into the nuances here for just a minute, but I'm doing it because I want those listening to really, um, understand what it is that you're walking them through and the process that you're walking them through. So you talk about, um, so it's going to sound like I'm challenging you. I'm not at all. I'm, I'm just breaking it down just a little bit more, but you talk about, um, that when we go through, let's say this event that leaves somebody feeling powerless, um, to control things that sitting down and writing out, writing out those automatic thoughts. Um, and we talk about kind of nailing down those thoughts and then using, um, positive thinking and, um, 
reframing and perspective maybe to shift that in order for us to have a more positive perspective and to realize we actually do have control over how we behave um, in response to what's happened in our life. And so I can just feel somebody listening that's going, yeah, but that sounds like just slap a positive Band-Aid on it. Um, and maybe they've gotten that from maybe um, other spouses that have said, you know what, you should be grateful, right? Just, let's just reframe it and be grateful for the benefits that you have and that this, your spouse has a job and that your kids have medical care and just reframe it with positive thoughts. And I don't think that that's what you're saying. Um, in fact, I think what I'd like the nuance that I'd like for us to dive into a little bit is what would you say in those first preliminary steps for that spouse to do about their emotions. Because when we say REBT, that E is emotions, right? So emotions is a huge part of this whole thing. And so, and I think that our emotions and those feelings is where we experience validation and connection with others, sitting in that pocket of messiness there for just a minute. Hi everyone, Corey here. You know, I love superheroes, and one of my favorite things to do is to lead service couples and individuals through strengths coaching. Kind of like discovering you have superpowers, you would be amazed at what you've been created to do, you just may not know it yet. I've led hundreds if not thousands through their strengths journey, and I've seen couples increase communication, reduce conflict, and my favorite is when I see a military or first responder spouse finding their identity again after years of revolving around the service lifestyle. Strengths coaching can be done online and is not counseling, so we can work together regardless of where you are today or are going tomorrow. As a certified Gallup Strengths Coach, I can help you see your worth again and even help you see your spouse with new eyes. Head on over to life-giver.org and go to Work With Corey to schedule your first session. I'm giving all of my listeners 15% off their first session with me just to try it out. Simply use the promo code FIRST at checkout. Thanks for listening and thanks for spreading the word about the podcast. And so what would you encourage a spouse to do with those initial feelings that are coming up? As they're writing them down? Yeah. Anywhere in the process of what you're, what you are introducing for them as a new tool. Right. For and so and again, it's, it's eight weeks. So, um, and we build on it throughout the resource. So again, um, a, a lot our our spouses are um, crazy smart, which I love, um, but it, I'm giving them um, a piece that they build on every week. And so really the first week is, is introducing um, rational behavioral therapy and the concept of it. And the next week is the ABCs of our emotions. So it, in this resource, I am building up to that big tool that I'm saying um, that we get to later in the book is a rational self-analysis. And so it's more than just as you said, um, waking up and the sun is shining and birds are chirping and you know, life is grand. And I, you know, I should be blessed that I have food, that there are people that are poor and starving. It's, it's way different than that. So it's not just slapping that, um, false, um, positivity, positivity. Um, it's actually looking at, so as I said, with that example of writing down your first three thoughts, you know, and those emotions, it's, it's labeling, are they positive? Are they negative? Are they neutral? And it's okay to have neutral ones as well, right? So, and, and again, within the book, I walk you through the difference in what those look like applied to the military spouse. But then you do a camera check is what I call it. So it's taking that event, write down, and, and again, the guide, the resource walks you how to, through how to do all this, write down the actual facts about that event. Now go back and look at those thoughts and how can you change them? So instead of, um, I, I'm 
if I'm going out and I did a, a job interview and oh my gosh, you know, I, I couldn't find a job when we were um, in Japan. So I didn't work the first two years and it was um, very frustrating. Um, I wanted to continue working and, um, and for me, it, um, it gives me purpose. It's a way that I connect with individuals. And so I was so frust- frustrated and I found myself that internal tape was playing or those negative thoughts of, I'm not good enough. You know, like I, I'm not getting the job because I don't interview well, or I'm not, I'm, I'm not enough for the job. And so when I'm writing those down, instead of saying, I'm not good enough, it's saying, you know what, Kendra, it's not that you're not good enough. It's, it's I am good enough. I need to consistently um, keep trying. It might not have been a good fit, this job, but it's not slapping that bandaid on. Um, I'm just, I should just love Japan and just be so excited that I'm here and experience the culture and just, you know, be content staying at home. It's saying, what do I want? How do I change that thought from I'm not good enough to you are good enough, but rationally think that job wasn't the right fit because of, um, two reasons, you know, for me, uh, one of them that I interviewed for, it wasn't the right fit because it, um, it, I wouldn't, it wouldn't allow me to be with my children. So it's rationally thinking through, and it can still be, um, that thought of, I, I am good enough, it, but this wasn't the right fit and that's okay. Um, which can I pause you for just a second? Because part of that was also, um, you, it would have taken you away from your children at that season of life and that that could have happened in Georgia as much as it could have happened in Japan, that it wasn't just because you had gone to Japan. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I can't even tell you how many job interviews, you know, I've been on and, and so it, it, it can, it can happen to any of us anywhere. Um, and I love when I was talking about this and you bring that up, um, a lot of people say, well, but overseas, you know, you should, you should do another research on overseas because clearly that's more stressful. And I said, yes. However, again, step back and say, um, I met a spouse that they said this, um, I don't enjoy being with my family. So this has been the best move ever because it's giving me that separation. I don't get along with family members um, well. So I have loved this overseas tour. It's everything that I ever could have thought of and wished for. Um, so that's kind of, again, those biases that we're coming up with sometimes um, within the military community. But um, I digress on that. But I, I think that's a, a valid point that there's a lot of um, characteristics and demographics that people bring up and they say, well, but this, this has got to be more stressful for this particular spouse in this situation. I said it could be, but it's all relative because what's stressful to me um, might not be stressful to you and vice versa. And so I know I interrupted you there. You were talking about how you had, um, at least in that scenario, you had applied your, you know, written down what your initial thoughts were about that, your initial beliefs on that, um, and then kind of looked at the facts of the situation, right? And what was actually true about those circumstances. You you have to, that's why it's called that camera check. It's writing down, um, we forget how much um, opinion we insert in there and how um, much subjective information we add into our minds. And when you're really objective and as a camera would play it or record it, write down the actual facts associated with that event that happened that really helps you be able to see um, how much opinion um, you're adding to that event that happened. Um, no, you know, we, this, the fact was there was only one position available um, for the job that I interviewed. And so it, was, it wasn't that um, I, 
you know, it wasn't my self-worth, but it was more so it wasn't a good fit um, for a lot of different reasons. And so it's having to think through, write down those actual events, the details associated with it, and rationally um, apply your thoughts. And so I was having negative thoughts, but I sat back and said, you know what, Kendra, um, here are four more details that I wasn't allowing myself to accept. And these are true of that situation. So it's okay. It's okay that this one didn't work out, but then I still need to make a conscious choice because if I really want to work, I need to make a conscious choice to go out and interview again and do it again. If that's what I want, if that's what I truly want. Um, but you can fall prey to that, that negative tape playing in your head of, um, I'm, I'm not good enough, you know, and, and, and I didn't get, um, that particular job or that didn't work out for me because, um, directly applying to my self-worth. And so, um, it's so important to take that step back and do the rational self-analysis, which again, there's several key components of, but primarily looking at that event and writing down just the facts. And I've done this with so many um, clients and spouses. And it's so interesting because they'll not argue, but sometimes come back and that is factual. I said, is that truly factual what you put down? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fact. That's actually, and I said, no, tease it apart even further, write down as a camera would play it. And they're like, Oh yeah, I did kind of say, um, he was, he was angry. I said, was he really angry? Did he say I am angry? Or again, was it the way you interpreted it? And, and it's forcing, um, forcing yourself to really step back and say, um, we have those automatic things that we insert and it's really hard to tease it apart. Um, so I, I think that's the biggest step, um, is learning how to take that event and write down concrete facts and then associate those thoughts that you're having about it. That's such a great point. And I actually was going to ask you about that same thing because um, it's kind of getting into cognitive behavioral when we talk about what's fact versus opinion, right? And and sometimes that feels very gray. And so um, I'd like for us to just kind of just for a moment camp out there because there's... Um, I think it is sometimes easier, I'm making this up as I go, as I'm thinking about it, but I think it's sometimes easier for us to um, distinguish fact or opinion in our own lives than with entities outside of ourselves. And so, for, for example, um, when I'm talking about, let's say, finding that job um, and what I believe about myself, um, it's it might be a little bit easier to go is it really that I'm, you know, not good enough or is it just that this job, I'm not a good fit for this job, fact or opinion. But for example, I had a spouse that said to me the other day, and I've heard this so many times from spouses who are navigating this building resentment that's happening over time as they're in this lifestyle. And I, and I heard a spouse say to me what I remember saying to myself a few years ago when I wrote Sacred Spaces, and that is, I have so much resentment, but I just don't know where to put it. I don't know if I should be angry at the military because it doesn't feel right for me to be angry at my husband. And they're trying to nail down, uh, where's this resentment? Who's to blame, I guess, for this resentment, for this difficulty in my life? And I don't know where to place that anger. And so when we're talking about, let's say, um, the idea of, well, the military, you know, in relocations or whether or not my spouse deploys, you know, they don't care about my feelings. This is, this is what the, um, what the military needs, the needs of the military, right? So they don't care about me and my family. And 
asking ourselves, is that fact or is that opinion, right? And trying to distinguish between, do they fully not care about the spouse? Well, on some degree, the fact is it, it's about war. It's about mission readiness. It is about employing the soldier, not the family, right? So there is a point in there where it's the fact of they have to care more about the mission and care about the soldier and they're fit for duty than they have to care about the family. But we also have tons of programming that says that they do care. So trying to distinguish, you know, who who, whether or not that's fact or fiction, does that make sense? So I wonder if it's a little bit more of a struggle there when we're talking about, um, the disruption that's happening and the stress that's happening in a spouse's life on whether or not the military is the cause of that and whether or not that's fact or fiction. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense or fact or opinion? It does. And I think it's really hard, um, to tease those apart. Um, and, and that's why it, it does require constant practice because, um, the fact and fiction are sometimes really close. So um, the more you practice it and kind of write down the actual events, um, the more that you become, you'll become more aware of how often you're that individual that you're inserting more of the, that fictional or opinions or kind of um, emotion based, right. Instead of just looking at the facts and, and it is, it, that is something um, that I hear so many spouses talk about is that resentment and how do you, how do you lessen it or how do you not allow it to fester? Um, and I think a lot of it goes back to this theory of um, the ABCs of your emotions is that it, you are in the military. That is a fact. Um, it, it is mission readiness. That is a fact. Um, do they care about military families? They do. That is a fact, you know. So, do they perfectly align? No. Kind of those facts are 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 data that you look at and say it might not always feel that way. But you have to go back to your thoughts and say, and what are the facts? They do have programming out there. They are trying hard. You know, look at um, the growth that we've made with um, military spouses with underemployment and unemployment. So there are people taking notice that are that are championing, championing for military spouses. So that is a fact. So you have to go back to those constantly. And when those fleeting thoughts come back of, they don't care about me, they don't care about my family, they don't care about um, that we just moved here and we have to move again. They don't care about the fact that they lost, you know, our entire truck full of household goods. They don't, they the fact is there are, they are trying their hardest to get us resources there. They are constantly working towards what can we do for the military family and the military spouses, but there are events that still happen that the military don't have control over necessarily. So, um, I, I think it's a really important exercise to do anybody to do in, in our daily lives is going back to, is this fact, um, go back to those things that you know. And I think that's in a journal, I often have um, clients and spouses write down and keep those facts journals, right? So um, when you have that constant list going, you go back to the facts and you read them again and say, this is this, I know this is a truth. So read those and have those continually playing in your head um, when the other ones start creeping in. (laughs) I love what you're doing because I think that this resource is 
helping spouses acknowledge the areas that they feel out of control in and then giving their power back. It's giving them the ability to go, I do have more control over at least myself and my thoughts and my behaviors. Um, When the rest of the world external to me feels out of my control, Mm -hmm. that there is something I actually have control over and it's the most powerful thing we could actually control um, and have influence in. And like, like turning on a lamp in the room, I think it has incredible influence. Um, and this sounds like a terrible metaphor, but now that I've said that, like that one lamp may never move, right? It doesn't move from where it is in the room, but it has incredible influence in the light that it sheds throughout that room, right? And so being able to control you and where you are and what's happening within you, it feels like you don't have an impact on things happening outside of you, but you really do. It's, it, and it's powerful. It is. And, and so I kind of talk about that in the last um, chapter of the book is also, you know, talking about how we can be an example for our military children and, you know, for our active duty spouses that might be struggling as well. It is powerful. So you can be that light. And if you are training yourself as a military spouse to go through these tools, um, your children will take notice. The active duty member, your spouse may be struggling. And, and how are you how are you changing your mindset with that? Well, I've kind of been doing these activities. And so, um, and it's, it's telling other spouses about it and acknowledging that, um, I've, I've been there before. It has been a struggle, but I'm, I'm working through it. And this is something that now I can gain control over. Um, I, I think modeling that behavior is so important. So if, um, we have more spouses that are trying this and I I do want to make a quick, you know, um, I, this is not, this resource is not meant to replace all the amazing things that are out there right now. So if, you know, I've had a spouse that read through it and said, you know, um, if I was still at clinical levels of stress, is this going to make my stress go away? Well, I make, um, I want to be very clear that there is still a space for, for professional health. And, and I do want to encourage spouses that are in, in that area or in that space to get professional health. But what I'm sure you see constantly and I see all the time is that spouses aren't reaching out for that professional help. So it's the realization that there are MPLEX out there and um, mental health professionals and clinicians. Um, but if you are unable or unwilling to use those resources and tools, which we're seeing is a lot of the case, then this is another tool that at least give you, um, it, it give you an opportunity to help yourself within your home. Absolutely. And I would say um, it's something that you have written. It's by a professional, you having this doctorate and this um, background in research and also in practice, but it is from a professional that's putting it in in your hands into your home without you even stepping outside of your home. And it walks you through the basics of developing those coping skills. And, And you may go through this resource and it was everything that you needed it to be. And it got you unstuck and it, um, reframed some things in your life to the, to where you have now those skills to, handle whatever is coming your way that's difficult. Or you may also go through this and it did give you some a basic foundation of what you needed, but you still find yourself stuck or you maybe still find yourself um, entertaining those negative thoughts or the anxiety or the beliefs that are not um, encouraging you to cope well in the lifestyle. And you may find yourself really stalling 
And that's a good sign for you to go to that next level of support and take that resource or take these things that you're struggling with and then have those one-on-one conversations um, with somebody to help figure out why you're stuck or um, figure out what those roadblocks actually are. And so I think it's fantastic what you're doing. And I think that it um, really gives and arms people with the right tools that they might very much be lacking because I don't know a whole lot of spouses out there that are hitting a wall that, you know, an obstacle in this lifestyle that are going, Hmm, let me take a look at my thoughts and beliefs and and feelings about this and reframe it with, you know, we don't necessarily, we're not given those coping skills growing up or in school, or even at the beginning of this lifestyle, are we armed with the right skills that we need to actually cope? And it's hard to do, right? I, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult because, um, you have to be, you have to be very real with yourself and you have to be alone with yourself in the sense of, what am I really like? Be honest. Um, what am I really telling myself? Is this is this what I think I'm telling myself, or is this actually that tape that's playing in my head? And that's hard to do um, to sit with yourself. And I, I find that a lot with um, with individuals. It's very hard to sit alone with those thoughts because you have to admit that that's actually what's playing in your head. And um, that's why again, this resource is kind of it's giving you those baby steps to work through it to build on it. Um, because as you perfectly put, a lot of individuals haven't been challenged to do that before. So, um, I'm hoping that going through this again, it, it, it gives, um, a spouse that's sitting in their home, just a chance of something more tangible, um, to work through. But the secondary goal of this resource really is, um, for a group of spouses to sit down and do it together. I had a beta group that went through it. And they actually went through all the reflection questions um, virtually. So they did a Google Hangouts on Tuesday nights. And um, I see potential in spouses doing this virtually as well, um, building that social connectedness, because um, that is one of the um, greatest combaters um, to uh, isolation and to suicide ideation is building social connectedness. So really the secondary effect of this is hoping that spouses come together and form a group of eight or 10 individuals that sit down together, have these real honest discussions. Because as, as, as I'm sure you know, the most powerful therapy that I've ever been involved with is group therapy. Um, because mm. that person sitting across from you says, I've been where you have been. Um, it hurts really bad, but I'm telling you, I'm six months out for it. I'm doing better now. It does. There is a light at the end of the tu- tunnel. I've walked it. Um, you can do it. I know you can. And that's mm-hmm. more powerful than a clinician or a therapist sitting in front of you saying, giving you tools because I might not be able to relate because I haven't been in that specific place before. Um, so really this is meant for us to be having those conversations through that eight weeks so that we're talking about very real things of when you've been set back, when you've chosen to persevere, um, working through that military spouse life cycle, when have you strengthened yourself and how have you strengthened yourself, um, sharing that connectedness. So then once you finish this study, uh, six months later, you find yourself set back again. I'm going to reach out to one of those spouses um, that I've shared a, re- a very real part of me. Um, and and that's uh, the secondary effect that I'm hoping that comes from this, whether um, virtually or within homes. Um, I hope that we build more of that as spouses to build each other up and to support each other um, and to validate it's hard. Um, 
but you can do it. And here's how I can help you do it. Right. So how how can you be part of that? And this is what I was going to actually ask you anyways. And you went right there, which is what is, once somebody goes through this process, what is the role of authenticity with other military spouses in the future? In other words, um, as spouses become those senior leaders that are then working with new military spouses who are just coming in with those lack of coping skills, how does this change the conversation in the military spouse space and how generations actually address the difficulty in this lifestyle? How does this change the conversation that we're seeing in the spouse culture? I, I think it makes that seasoned spouse um, more real. Uh, I think when they are, they are part of the conversation and they part of the dialogue of saying, um, and and they're in that experience with those new spouses coming in. Um, it requires them to be authentic and say, um, Hey, I've, I've seen so many um, younger spouses respond to more senior spouses saying I'm struggling today right now. Um, instead of having it all together, I think that's an important part that is going to have to take place with this is um, having brave spouses, but but our seasoned spouses are brave. And I've had, uh, in, within the book are all those anecdotal stories. And I had over 30 spouses that I interviewed that wanted to be part of this. And the more I asked, like, tell me when it's been rough for you. And I had one seasoned spouse say, you mean in past tense or current tense? Because let me tell you what's going on right now. You know, and I, I think it's, it's challenging our seasoned spouses as well to say, it's okay for you to say, you're not, you're not okay right now. Um, there's no judgment in that. And there's more to learn from that person standing bravely saying, I'm struggling today, right now on December 23rd. And I'll tell you why. Um, I think there's more value in a younger spouse hearing that because they can also say, but six months ago, I was thriving. I was doing great. And I get, and guess what? Six months from now, I know in this life cycle, I can be thriving again. But right now, I ha- I'm restoring. I got set back, and I'm I'm in a rough space, and I'm I'm being real, and I'm being honest about it, and I'm going to sit in this space for a while, and I'm going to be okay because I'll get back there again. I know I can. Um, but I, the more we allow um, those senior spouses to kind of be um, have those conversations, the more there is to learn from our younger spouses coming in. When I just have this vision of a senior spouse or seasoned spouse who's gone through this material, who has um, really gotten into the habit of walking through these steps and has been applying it, because this is any new tool that you take on, any new skill takes practice, uh, or it's never going to be part of our our inner working, right? So it's it's when you actually learn something new and do it again and again. And I just have this vision of this senior spouse approaching this new spouse and saying, um, this is a rough season for me too. And and having all that authenticity you just described, but then because they have been practicing this skill, being able to say, but here is what I know is true. And this is what I'm reminding myself of what is true. And so therefore this is what I have to believe about it. And this is what I'm going to tell myself about it. And this is what I'm challenging myself now with this, this level of thinking to help me get through something difficult. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to get triggered on certain days to feel those feelings again. And that I won't have to go through that process of thinking to pull myself there um, to this healthier place. But I just see in, in this vision, right? 
this seasoned spouse walking through that verbally with that new spouse to be able to not only be authentic with what they're going through and give words and validate what that new spouse is feeling, but to model um, this process just a little bit better, to not um, discount or minimize what that new spouse is feeling, to not just answer with the end product of what's been going on in that seasoned spouse's mind, but instead to model walking through that thinking process, which I think is so much healthier and gives voice to so much more and also gives that new spouse hope because they have been validating their feelings, validated in, you know, what is fact mentored and what is fact versus opinion, because that's what seasoned spouses offer is perspective on fact versus opinion. And that's what we need a whole lot more as our seasoned spouses to go. I know this is what you're feeling and the assumptions that you can make based off off of what you're seeing, but here's the actual facts of what's going on. And that's, I think what we need a whole lot more in this culture. Yeah, I do. And that's, and, and again, um, the more of those spouses that kind of rally around this and learn it. And I do hope, um, to do kind of a train the trainer, uh, type concepts, um, with this resource so that I have more individuals that, um, have gone through practice it and become well-versed in it because it'll multiply. And, and as you said, modeling that and then sitting with that spouse saying, okay, let's work through this together and, and, and show me what thoughts you've had and, and, and being able to sit next to them and do that, I think is really important. Um, but yes, I, I, I would love to kind of the train the trainer type idea with it. Um, to have more of those um, ambassadors out there saying, this is how we can come together. And this is um, how it will make a difference and how it's made a difference with me. I can't wait. Um, I'm so excited for um, spouses to read this and come back and say, um, this is, this is changed right now. It changed what I'm going through right now. It helped me just a little bit more get through what I'm going through. And, um, I had an editor, a professional editor that I actually, um, selected. That's a, not a military spouse to read this book as well. And I loved her response, um, because she came back to me and she said, Kendra, um, I'm separated from my fiance right now because of, you know, various reasons of work and employment but your book actually helped me rationalize through um, the facts associated with the choices that we've made um, and that I was having a lot of negative thoughts playing in my head. So um, I'm so excited for more uh, spouses uh, to get knowledgeable on this and and to practice it and put it into practice and to see um, kind of the ripples effects of it. It's very exciting for me. I'm excited with you and for you. Um, If I had a whole other hour, I would unpack even more. Um, You have a great story of why you named this resource what you did. And so those that are listening, it's called Wake Up, Kick Ass, Repeat, A Guide to Self-Perseverance Within the Military Spouse Life Cycle. Um, We're going to put links in there where you can have access to her resource and some of what she's doing. Um, I think in closing, Kendra, if there is somebody listening that's really struggling right now, Um, you've been so encouraging through this whole, um, episode uh, anyways, but if there's somebody that's maybe struggling today, maybe it's that spouse that is having a hard time getting out of her house. What message would you want to give to her today? It will, it can and will get better. Um, there are tools, um, for you. Uh, that's the, really the goal is helping you be able to help yourself in that situation because you are a strong capable individual, uh, 
that can do great things, but sometimes you can't see that. And it's very blurry with where you're at. So I'm trying to help clear that up for you, that you are capable, that you can do this and to give you that tangible tool that you can hold in your hands um, to help yourself to better social and emotional health. Kendra, thank you so much for joining um, me today. Thank you for your encouragement and for being passionate about others, for using the talents and gifts that you've been given to serve this culture. Um, It is absolutely worth it. And the amount of work that you've put into it is worth it. And I can't wait for how it's going to change somebody's life and so many other lives because of their ability to take it to others and share it. So thank you so much for joining me. And I can't wait to see what happens with you and with this for the next year. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's been um, such an honor to be uh, here today and to talk to you. And um, you've been so supportive. And so I I greatly appreciate you. And um, again, very excited to see um, where this goes. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you're feeling especially grateful, head on over to patreon.com forward slash life giver or find the link in today's show notes where for just a couple of dollars, you can help breathe life into more service families. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.